0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights and this week we're discussing the ad blocker arms race. (laughs) So, Peter, can you start us off just by telling us, first of all, what is ad blocking? So ad blockers are bits of software you can
1: install on your computer, usually embedded inside your browser, for the benefit of you as a, as a content consumer. They're there to block certain pieces of content in, your, in the web pages you're viewing, which you, which are generally ad-related and not often relevant to the content that you're,
0: that you're browsing. And the other way to sort of put it as well is that, I mean, when we surf the Internet, we are served ads all the time. And this is software that blocks you seeing those ads. OK. Um, and so why is this particularly relevant at the moment? So
1: it is, it is, it's topical uh, because Apple, have, in their recent updates to iOS and Safari on uh, Apple iDevices, have allowed for the first time ad blockers to be installed as, uh, by third parties. So they' now um, uh, the, the, this is this is bet uh, so the the seven hundred odd million users of iPhones and iPads now can install ad blockers, which has caused um, uh, it caused controversy amongst um, the people who generate these ads and who who generate revenue from these ads they they're worried that this will that this will affect their 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 sources of revenue
0: okay so I mean I know we're talking the the sources of revenue for this are, are vast. So hence some 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 lots of um, vested interests in this. So give us some background into what has now become an arms race. Can you just talk us through the developments with ads and ag blocking counter Ad blocking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Can you talk us through that? Sure.
1: I, th- I think it probably helps to explain how they work. Mm-hmm. So, that, so your browser, your internet browser, is designed to display content. It takes it takes code which marks up text and describes images, their size, their location, and how they are displayed on 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 your screen. Um, it, the, the, that, that that code is generally called HTML, and the way that it's laid out is is CSS. Um, I forget what that acronym actually means, but the 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 it, it 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 displays the content. It's agnostic as to what content it displays. Mm-hmm. It just displays whatever you point it at. So um, if you point it at a website that has ads embedded in it, it they will display. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't know what is relevant content what isn't relevant content. But if you install an ad blocker, it looks for certain patterns that are common. Uh, often ads are made with a particular template and reused in many different places. Mm-hmm. Or ads are served by another... Computer that's not the same computer that you're browsing to that mm-hmm. it's pointed to and it's pulled from a different location. Mm-hmm. Ad blockers look for these patterns and selectively load bits of content um, based on whether or not it's on a or not on a blacklist. Mm-hmm. So there are there are um, consumer generated lists um, of content that is generally perceived as not content as ads, and those that your, your ad blocker looks up. On these lists If If a piece of content Is
0: one of those And then if it is It, it blocks it Got it So So let's sort of Summarise So first of all Publishers Um Want to serve us Ads So we buy stuff Um And they get revenue From that um, People don't like Being served ads Quite a lot So they can block it um, And so They install Um Ad blocking software um, And then what can ha- what what have the publishers done to counter that so it,
1: it so it's 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 relatively easy then to detect whether or not parts of your pages are being loaded and if and if they're not you can prevent the whole page being loaded until the the consumer disables their ad blocker for that site and then it will serve the page as normal so you as a you as a publisher can guarantee that the ads that you want to be seen are being seen um, then to the, the, there's a next, another scale of escalation where the ad blocker can then just block the piece of code that looks to see if the page is being loaded as intended, uh, and so and it continues. So there's all there's this sort of there's this conflict between people who want you to see ads and the people who don't want to see ads. Yeah. Now I think this is technically quite interesting, but what's more interesting is this hints at a big elephant in the room with the way that revenue is generated on the internet Uh, there's a there's a disconnect between the way people want to generate revenue because ads are quite easy to serve and they 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 generate lots of revenue and people who don't want to see ads but possibly under different circumstances would be happy to support the content in a different model Mm -hmm. so i think that i think this this ad war will escalate to the point where actually it forces people to find new ways of generating revenue online um or to the point where they make the ads so good and so relevant that it is indistinguishable from personal uh, per, sort of value to
0: the per, to the consumer than the content mhm i mean that sort of makes me think of there's a very much um a trend or movement in filmmaking of, of of films no longer being, of promotional films no longer just being promotional, are being much more than that because people don't want to watch adverts. And so there's, as you might know, there's a sort of big movement towards branded content. So it could just, is fascinating and, and could be entertaining on its own. Mm-hmm. And then there's different levels of branded content. And then at just the end, you might have the Nike swoop swoosh i think it's called um and so that's the sort of so one of the things that i think you say there which is quite creatively inter- interesting is this could push sort of things in a creative different direction but i think we're more talking about the technical side of things um so where
2: are we in our conversation tell me what take me to the next step what's the next thing what, what do you want to say this is uh, one manifestation of a of an incredibly common Phenomenon, which is uh, related to the, the what's generally called the signaling problem, right? Which is where you you have an, you want to distinguish between different types of thing. But those some of those things don't want you to be able to do that mm-hmm. right now that this crops up all the time in games where there is asymmetric information so for example uh, poker, which I refer to quite a lot because it's such a good model for these kinds of situations where you know what I want to be able to do is tell how strong your your hand is. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want me to be able to do that because then I'll then I'll be able to uh, I'll be able to make the correct bet or the correct decision. Uh, which would be bad for you, uh, it, but it crops up much more widely than that. Uh, the the issue of you know when you're interviewing someone, perhaps you what you want to be able you want your interview to be able to distinguish between people who are going to be good and people who are going to be bad. You know, say likewise when you're um, perhaps choosing whether or not to watch a, a program. You know, you want to make sure that you you know based on the information you have, you're not going to waste time doing that. When you're buying a book, you know you are going to judge it to some extent by the cover, and people want those covers to appeal to you but you actually want to be able to work out whether or not that book is the one you want now they just want to sell the book they they would rather you probably you didn't know that it wasn't the right kind of book for you they, they want you to think that it's uh, gonna be something you'll enjoy and buy it see this this problem is absolutely universal there's a um A famous biblical example uh, from which we get the word shibboleth. And a shibboleth is uh, generally used to be a a kind of linguistic signal. So um, uh, certainly for English speakers, um, if you have a posh accent, that has been proven to change the way that people behave towards you mm-hmm. uh people you know and and the the key there is that it's hard to fake a posh accent it's not impossible actors do it all the time but it's hard um i try and indeed uh and and this is the the original story of the shibboleth was uh that um the i think it, the 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 People who lived in Gilead um, defeated the tribe of Ephraim and wanted to hunt down all the, all the remaining Ephraimites. And a, as it happened, the Ephraimites couldn't say the, the sound shh mm-hmm. or, or however it was pronounced in those days. Mm-hmm. So they would get them to say the word shibboleth. Mm-hmm. And in classic Old Testament fashion, if they couldn't, then they were killed. Uh, so, you know, and that that is a, this hints at this um, important finding from, from game theory, which is that a good signal has to be expensive or hard for the wrong type of person to produce and cheap or easy for the right kind of person okay. to produce. So, for example, uh, if you are doing a PhD, I think most people would accept that, Very few exceptions. The output of a PhD is probably not worth the effort that people put in, but (laughs) PhDs are paid considerably more than people without PhDs, and the um, the explanation for that is that actually a stupid or lazy person simply will not be able to do a PhD; they'll drop it. And whereas whereas a a dedicated or intelligent person will find it easier to do a PhD. So PhD is not in itself. Uh, it doesn't make you better but what it does is weed out the people who are that. yeah exactly so and and you know signaling is uh something actually there's um uh, uh a professor called robin Hanson who is um you know makes a very good case that signaling is fundamental to human nature that we have evolved essentially to be perpetually signaling and you know you can see that in the way that um you know if you look at the evolution of uh, women's clothes and makeup is is designed to uh, sort of enhance the features that men are trying to detect. Uh, which are generally sort of health and youth and fecundity and so on, and of course men have an incentive to try and filter that out, to try and see through that stuff. Um, and and Robin Hanson believes that this is much more fundamental. Almost everything we do is uh, in some way about about signaling. So it's we're talking about ad blocking, but mm. but this is touching on something which is you know essentially we as a consumer want to, to find it easy to strip out ads and spot ads, and of course the people who rely on those ads for income want to make that hard. They want to. They want an ad not to look like an ad.
0: But is it definitely the case that we want to... Is it in our interest to strip out those ads because those ads could be really good for us, right? Is that... And maybe it's a question that this is a, a refining process where if it's a good advert,
2: it should be served to you because you know we want to buy the right stuff yeah and so maybe it's, it's forcing us down that as well And si- signaling emerges where there is a conflict of interest yeah right? so it emerges when we when uh, you know usually what the situation is that the good types of people want to be found and and the seekers want to find the good types and the bad type of people want to pretend to be good types it, very generally but you know if what if there are no bad types what if we can get rid of bad types and and i think peter touched on that i'd be interested to hear what he says about whether or not you know this is going to push adverts towards being actually to, adverts to, towards being content.
1: Well, at the, at the moment they're they're trying to find technic, technocratic ways of getting around the ad blockers. Uh, they're still in this sort of a slightly petty looking war. Um, but the way ad blockers work is um, generally that this this common list that's in the middle that your ad blocker refers to is built from the opinions of loads of other people. So, loads of other people with ad blockers will say, "Ah, oh, this this page had an ad," and that will add that to the list. And so, to other other people, it won't display that. Much in the same way that antivirus works, it it relies on the crowd to detect anomalies, and then that focuses the attention of people finding the finding the malicious code. Anyway, so the, what you so you could imagine uh, you could use this this infrastructure to collectively score the value or the quality of ads. Relevant to the rel- relative to the content. So, if lots of people say, Oh, this is an ad and it's totally irrelevant, don't want to see it ever again, it won't be shown. Or if people like you, because you're that you can you could you could you could filter for people who are similar to you or have similar tastes, mm-hmm. say, This ad is good. And it's relevant to the content. I don't mind seeing this. Then other people will see it. So th- this, you get direct feedback about the quality of your ads, and you can and you can seek to make them better. And I and I and I, and I I'm I'm optimistic, and I think it will generally push the co- quality up. Because um, I, I I I as an advertiser, it's in my best interest to make good ads that are relevant to my to the, to the consumer as much as it is to for me to serve my customer because those consumers are likely to include my customers. Mm -hmm. So I want to make good content as much as any creative uh, producer.
0: So this is a kind of, you know, where I know we've we've referred to it as an arms race, Um, and it's not really, but it's this principle of technology, or there can be some progressive outcomes as a result of conflict. Because in this case, we're saying... um, I guess there are technological gains, but also gains in terms of quality of content that come about because of this, I don't know if it's correct
2: to call it evolutionary competitive process or...
0: Yeah, I don't know. Am I, am I, am I onto something
2: there Yeah, or well, not? actually, that inspired me, inspired a thought which was actually pushing this one step further, which is that there is, you know... In, in, it's not about generating good adverts, right? I mean, ultimately, because that's still... Sort of deceptive. If you produce a really good advert for a, for a crap product, right. um, that is still a form of deception, right? So you're effectively you're ma- making you're making better signals, uh, but not necessarily better products. But but the the internet offers the prospect of uh, actually just you know a quicker feedback between the quality of a product and and demand for that product. So really, uh, you, you know, essentially making making people produce better things, and then and then the the adverts will sort of be better because the thing they're talking about is fundamental. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, I'm I'm close to wanting to wrap up there. In fact, no, I do want to wrap up. Before I do, anything to say, Peter? No? Nick? Okay, I just want to say two things, which is um, I'd never heard of this shibboleth thing, which I'm ashamed to say, given that I studied theology. I feel I should have heard of that. However, um, it's almost exactly the same as something happened in Poland um, in I'm not sure when I was thinking it was like 15th 16th century maybe even slightly later where um, I mean Poland is one of those fascinating countries where if you look at a, a map over you know over a, a thousand years of what constitutes Poland is remarkable what has happened to it, what happens to it during that period I mean so one 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 time is one of the biggest states in Europe taking in all of Ukraine and a lot of Russia anyway um, there was a, a period of very much anti German uh, feeling um or anti-germanic german speakers let's say and they did exactly what you've just described they gave them polish uh tongue twisters in the in the central square in um in uh, krakow and we can probably guess what happened to anyone who couldn't say those polish
2: uh tongue twisters they were given a sausage and sent back to germany they
0: were that's exactly what happened um and and the other thing to say actually is i've got i've got some advice for you because you were talking about um, earlier on, I can't remember when you were talking about books and, and covers and, and things like that, but I've got a, a saying that I've developed, okay, which is that, which can help anyone out in this, which is you should never judge a book by its cover.
2: That's profound. Thank I've you. I've never yeah. heard that. No, totally no, I know. It's original. It's new. <laughs> I'm thinking of trademarking that
0: one. Um, so chaps thank you as always Um, so uh, we've been discussing ad blocking I really liked that it was very interesting Um, and um, yeah so you've been listening to another uh, episode in the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with Aleph Insights I'm Fraser McGrew we've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill thanks again chaps Um, thank you for listening and until next time bye bye